friend. This is Deeper Life, and I'm your host, Alexis Tykemiller. I'm a writer, content creator, and a woman on a journey to finding more depth in life. If you crave soul-filling conversations and long for a stronger connection to yourself and others, consider this your safe haven. It can be hard to embrace who we are, let alone share that with the rest of the world. The Deeper Life Podcast is a safe place to show up and hear conversations about relationships, emotional growth, and explore what it means to be vulnerable. If you're ready to dig deeper, I'm here to help you embrace who you are, reflect on your past, and connect with yourself. Welcome to A Deeper Life. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Life. It's me, your host, Alexis Tykemiller, and I just want to thank you for spending your valuable time today listening to the Deeper Life podcast. It means so much to me, and I'm really excited about today's episode because I think it's – actually, I know – it's something that everyone struggles with in some area of their life, in some season of their life. I know that this is a universal experience and a universal struggle, which is why I think it's so important to talk about, and that's fear. So I couldn't think of a better person to talk through fear with me than the Deeper Life resident therapist, Marlene Rose Shaw. I just love this woman so much. This is now I think her sixth or seventh month with us. Every month we release a new episode. Just Marlene and I, she has over 30 years of therapy experience, one-on-one client experience, and I love the wisdom and the insight that she brings the podcast. And so today on the show, we're talking through all things fear. Um, Where does fear come from? Where does it originate? What is our relationship with fear? Trying to get in and understand your individual relationship with fear. And really the main goal of this episode, as we were kind of working through, typing out all the notes, working together on how we can make this incredibly valuable for you, is we wanted to really address how fear gets in the way of our growth and our potential. And so we actually cover four core fears today on the podcast. We cover the fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of success, and fear of other people's reactions. Now, on a very personal level, I have struggled with these fears in and out of different seasons of my life. Um, I would say that sometimes I don't even think about them because I'm not like fear of the unknown for me has really come in seasons of transition in seasons where I'm, you know, changing jobs, changing locations. Um, I would say right now I'm not necessarily struggling with that fear. However, the fear of success and the fear of other people's reactions is really where I would say a lot of my fear is rooted right now. And this episode helped me realize some of the ways that I could let that go ways I could learn from that fear and how to actually move through it, get to the other side and learn from it, but also move forward. I think that we can get very stuck, very scared in these places of fear. And uh, as that is natural, it's also something that we don't have to stay in. We don't have to stay there, friends. We can move forward. That's why I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm actually going to go ahead and just transition us right into this episode. It's fantastic. But before I do, I would love if you could leave the Deeper Life podcast a review. Reviews keep me going, friends. Um, I can't believe the podcast is almost one year old. It's absolutely crazy. And I can't believe 
believe that we've been doing this for, for so long. And so I'm incredibly grateful for you and that you've been on this journey with me. And also, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to screenshot your podcast player. Jump over to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are social online and tag me at Alexis Tykemiller because I'd love to continue the conversation with you. Hear what you're learning from the episode. That always brings me so much joy. And it's really just a chance for us to connect. And, uh, you know, I don't always get to know who my listeners are. And so being able to connect with you on social means so much to me. All right, friends, let's dive into today's episode with Marlene Rose Shaw on all things fear. Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Life. It's me, your host, Alexis Teichmiller. And today on the podcast, I have our resident therapist, Marlene Rose Shaw. And today we're digging into all things fear. And I think this is a fantastic topic. We're talking about fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of success, and fear of other people's reactions. And I think this is a, a really important topic that we can discuss walking into a new year, but also walking away from such a heavy year. 2020 was a year of a lot of fear and a lot of doubt and anxiety for so many people, including me. And I think that there was something new about, you know, the new year 2021 that brought this sense of hope and new energy for me. And so I'm looking forward to kind of talking through the different levels of fear. So my dear Marlene, I love to kind of talk through where does fear come from or where is it rooted? Where does it originate? Well, hi, Alexis. It's great to be here. Um, fear. Wow. It's such a big, big topic, isn't it? And I yes. think what we're, what we're looking at today really is much to do with the fear we have around making changes in our lives and moving forward. And, and I think, you know, there's, several reasons we feel fear around that you know some of it is to do with our belief systems you know what we've been brought up with and maybe possible attempts we've made to make changes in the past or goals we've set and we we haven't been able to accomplish that and so we have a you know a fear that if we try that again that you know we'll have the same experience and also you know we worry about other people and what they will say because you know, we put great stock in other people's opinions. And I think, you know, fundamentally, we also, it's, there's a survival thing. There's a primal thing in us that we, we want to survive. And in order to survive, we feel we have to make sure that we stay safe and that we're, um, you know, um, accepted by other people and that we're not out in the, out in the cold. So that can stop us from wanting to move you know being able to move forward or even wanting to move forward you know i would say that we stay in our comfort zone until it becomes uncomfortable so we will always choose the most comfortable option we have which is why people sometimes don't make changes in their life for a long time because even though it's distressing for them they're kind of comfortable in that is familiar and it's and other things that they could possibly do are quite scary for them. But it's when the situation they're in becomes the least comfortable option. So it becomes easier to make that leap into to change than it is to stay where they are. And that's when people tend to to do that. Yeah. What would you say is the process in recognizing the fact that you're even scared? 
Because I think sometimes I fear think- can like manifest into something else. Our our behavior, our words, our actions might shift if we are scared. And sometimes I might be acting a certain way and not even realizing that it's coming from a place of fear. Yeah, yeah. That's very wise, actually, Alexis, because quite often we don't know. You know, we'll come up with all sorts of excuses not to make changes. And um, it, it, quite often what we need is we need to be able to, to step back and reflect on that and maybe work with a therapist or work with somebody who can help us to identify the fear and also to move through it. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about the survival mode and you know, you're going to stay in something that's comfortable until it's uncomfortable. I also mm. think that a good amount of the things that make me scared are things that are from my past situations yeah. that have happened, trauma that's happened. And so sometimes I'll even materialize that in today, but it's not real. It's, it's almost like I am being triggered or I am seeing a situation and I could see it play out in a way that happened in my past and that makes me scared. And so then I usually either probably one of two things, either get defensive and default towards anger or frustration, or I will isolate. I'll back away. I'll put some barriers between me and the relationship or me and the situation, which neither are helpful or rooted in growth. Right. And so how can we how can we understand our personal relationship with fear? Are we more avoidant? Are we more aware of it? Are we accepting of it? Are we going to take action because of it? I think a lot of that, a lot of us understanding fear is first understanding our personal relationship with it because how you manage and walk through fear would be different than maybe how I would. There might be some similarities, right? But how do we understand our, our own personal relationship and where it's coming from? I think a lot of that comes from self-awareness and self-reflection, uh, really, as we get to know each other. And it's not just about, say, you and I were recognizing and working through fear differently. It's about time as well, because I, my relationship with fear is very different than it was you know, in my past because I've, dif- I've had different life experiences and I face my fears and learnt that I can, I can deal with them. And I think that's the point. It's a lot is about the past, a lot of it. So when we are wanting to make some change or wanting to achieve something, make something different in our lives and we keep getting blocked, you know, we may not say to ourselves, oh, this is fear. <laughs> but what we'll say is, why does this always happen to me? Or why is it always that I, everybody else manages to succeed, but I don't. <laughs> you know? wow. And so it, it's those, it's those sorts of questions. When we find ourselves asking those unhelpful questions, mm. that's the time for us to step back and think, well, there's some, there's some sort of block here and block is generally coming from fear. Yeah. So it's that sort of repeated blocks and repeated difficult experiences where we just can't seem to get to where we want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that can manifest in friendships. Oh, this keeps happening in my friendships. 
oh, this keeps happening in my relationships. If you're dating or you're married, it's like a cycle. You keep walking through the same thing. It could be with your career. Oh, I, I always reach this point in my career and then this always happens. And it could potentially be us manifesting that fear or getting in our heads about it. Or sometimes we even play into it with our own actions of, you know, let's say for a friendship, for example, um, let's say I'm scared that 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 person isn't going to be friends with me anymore. And so out of that fear, I start to act differently. My behavior shifts and I start, you know, maybe I'm short with her. Maybe I'm snappy with her, or maybe I'm cancel plans because I'm trying to protect myself. And that, that manifests itself in the relationship then being, being distant, you know, because I'm playing a role in it. And I think that that would be my one goal for myself and for anyone listening is to start having that self-awareness and also start taking some ownership over the way that we act when we're scared. And, and the fact that you even said, I can work through my fear now. I understand it. I can work through it. That's because you've taken ownership and responsibility for your role that you play in that fear. And I think that's really, really powerful. It's, it is empowering, right? Because we are owning it. I think, you know, one of the, the big, big parts of that and owning it is the complete understanding that we are evolving beings. You know, for, for myself, as, as the, the time has gone on in my life and I've really fully embraced, I'm working with so many clients as well over the years, I, you know, I really fully embrace the fact that I am an evolving being. And so it's not, you know, it, you know, we're talking about fear as if it could be a bad thing, but it's not really that. It's about understanding that if we are to evolve in the way, in the natural order of things, we are going to have to make changes in our life. So when you talk about a friend and maybe having some issues, it's not about just being fearful of that. It's about saying something doesn't feel right here. I need to grow. I need to grow. And it'd be nice if my friend could grow in this as well. That would be awesome. And if I can look at that happening for both of us, great, but I'm taking responsible responsibility for me. I need to grow. So something is, you know, I'm coming up against something, some resistance is something here. And in order to make that happen, then I'm going to have to go through some discomfort because change equals gain and loss. You cannot have change without having loss because change means you move away from one thing and you move into another. So there will always be an element of what's left behind and something that's gained. And so there'll always be discomfort there. And it's that discomfort is what we're talking about when we talk about the fear, isn't it? Whatever, whatever, however that manifests itself. And it's about that, you know, we can't, if we're to evolve, we have to recognize that sometimes, you know, we have to do a little bit of work. Yeah. That's, that's part of the process. It is a part of the process. I mean, I feel like that's part of deeper life. It's part of your business. It's part of the way that you help clients. It's, it's take, it's getting to this place in our lives individually where things are uncomfortable. We feel the tension. We feel the gap of where we are and where we want to be. 
or maybe we're just tired. We're exhausted of going through the same cyclical behavior over and over mm-hmm. again. And we, re- we recognize we want to change something. And a part of that change is doing the work. I love what you said about when things change, you will also experience loss because there's something that's being left behind. I think this is a great opportunity for us to shift into kind of talking through the, one of the first four fears that we're discussing today is the fear of the unknown. Um, How does control or lack of control play a role in fear of the unknown? You know, it's like this, this distant thing of, oh, I, I want to move to that city, but I don't know what, what that would look like. Or I I want to be in a long-term relationship, but I don't know what that would look like. Or it's, it's the fear of not being able to picture it, or is it lack of control? I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, I mean, fear of the unknown. It could be so many different things, couldn't it? It could be, right. I want to be, I want to stop people pleasing. But gosh, it's absolutely terrifying. Who would I be then? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, fear of the unknown, I think, is always because we're more focused on the thing we want to get away from than we are putting our attention onto the thing we want to move towards. And when I say attention, well, if we don't know what it is, well, how can we do that? But what we can do is we can start to build a vision of how we would like to be. It doesn't have to be a perfect picture. We don't have to be this amazing person who's moved to this new country or has this, the best relationship on the planet or is the most confident person ever with a superhero cape on. But we can begin to think, I wonder what it would be like. I wonder, I wonder if I could research that. I wonder if I could find out a bit more about what that's like for people. I wonder if I could do a bit of Googling around that. Yeah, I wonder if I could hang out with people who have, are having that experience and find out more. So you shift your attention more. Into, you make the unknown known to yourself. And then you feel more in control of your life. It's, a, you know, it's, it's not being controlling. It's having control and, and agency over your life you know, autonomy to, to be able to say, okay, I can, you know, I can explore that. I can do that because I've, I've kind of got a goal of where I'd, where I'd like to be. I've got an idea in my mind. I'm building a picture, I'm building a vision and then, you know, work out the details as I go along. And so you're not focused on, I wish my life wasn't like this. I don't like this relationship I'm in or these relationships I keep having or this place I live or this, whatever it happens to be. You're putting your attention more on where you're going to. I like that. I, it feels hopeful, right? It feels yeah. rooted in hope and this energy of expectancy of, of I'm expected, I'm excited, I'm open. And I think that when you can get in that mindset, you are more receptive to good things happening to you. Um, I remember when I was 22 and graduating college, I wanted to move to Nashville. I didn't know anyone there. And I was very scared of the unknown. You know, you're in college, you're, you're with all your friends, you, you have your routine down. You know, and it's, it's what does mm-hmm. life look like outside of this? What does life look like outside of college? And I know that's kind of a, <laughs> a very specific example, but um, it is a very real, like, who am I going to be outside of college too? Who, where, mm-hmm. How do I want to grow? And I remember the opportunity arose of potentially moving to Nashville for a job. And I was very 
I was excited and I was confident in the fact that like, I can, I can figure this out. Like I had that, that internal energy that said, I can handle whatever is thrown my way. But I, I also didn't have a very clear vision of exactly what it could look like. So I remember my mom and I drove down there and I had a job interview. I think I had two job interviews lined up and was looking at houses and looking at rental properties to rent and, and really was there on like almost an exploratory. Like I was just Mm. in discovery mode, right? I wasn't committing to anything. I was just exploring it and it it allowed me to create a deeper vision. And, and that fear started to dissipate over time because it wasn't unknown anymore right? My future was becoming more and more clear with a clearer vision. And I think that what you said about doing the research and giving yourself the space to ask questions and surround yourself with people that have done it or are doing it, I think that's really powerful. And it, it again, it kind of gives us that agency, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Because the unknown is scary. You know, right. we want to be in control of our lives. We want to, to know that we're going to be safe and secure. Mm-hmm. So we have to, even, even if it's just a picture in our head, it, that's the starting point. You know, even if it's just a question, that's the starting point. Yeah. I think this is a good opportunity for us to shift into the second fear, fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Unless there's anything else you would like to add on fear of the unknown. I think they, they tend to overlap a bit, so I'm sure we'll, we'll to and fro a little bit with them. But yeah, fear of failure. Okay. I think a lot of the fears that we're talking about today overlap a lot, and they're very connected to each other. So fear of failure. I think that when I talk to clients and I chat with friends and just people in my life, when we're talking about changing something, that is one of the very first things that they say is what if I fail or I'm scared to put in all this energy, all this money, make this big change, and then it not be what I expected, or, you know, it just doesn't measure up or I fail in some way. And so I'm curious how rooted is this failure, this fear of failure? Is it rooted in our past experience? Is it, is it because we have that past data or history with failure? Like, where does that originate? Yeah, very much so. I think, you know, there's, if we've had experiences in the past, we tend to lump everything together. So, you know, we may want to do something, achieve some goal or make some change in our life. And we'll, we'll align that with some other experience that we may have had that has nothing to do with it at all, completely different. And maybe we were, you know, much younger, we were a child and we were taught that, there was something wrong with us because we didn't achieve something you know the school system caregivers parents who um often very well meaning but they're just sort of passing on what they learned and they maybe open their mouths and some words tumble out and they don't even know what they've said they don't realize that the child has picked that up and interpreted it into something personal like there's something wrong with me because i you know i didn't um pass the test at school or something or whatever it is Mm. and so we form these deep beliefs about our worth and we put attach a lot of um importance to this word this thing we call failure as if it's this sort of you know failure equals who i am sort of thing you know this we this measure of, of failure equals who i am and actually that's not failure that's what failure is is 
testing, testing something right. and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And all the, the, the people who are very accomplished in life, sports people the you know musicians scientists they will all tell you it's trial and error trial and error trial and error that you know you test something you look at what works or what doesn't work and you discard the bit that doesn't work you learn something from it and you go on to the next level and then you see what works and what doesn't work and so on and so on and so on and that's how we operate and that's how you know how we um get to a point of being, I don't want to say achieving, but being able to feel comfortable and competent at what we want to do. So that's what failure really means. Failure just means learn a lesson. Mm. But we attach this big, scary, it's, you know, it's a definition of who I am. To we that make word. it a part of our identity almost. Yeah. Of like, I am just a failure you know? Mm -hmm. And I've even, I've even thought that about myself and some low seasons of my life of, you know, I'm not measuring up to my own expectations. And because of that, I am a failure. Like that is my identity. I am a failure. And that can be very paralyzing. It's hard to take action from that place. It's hard to heal and figure out how to move forward when you are in that kind of mindset where that failure and that fear around it becomes a, a big part of your identity. I love what you said about the way that we internalize the things that we hear as a child. Mm -hmm. um, yes. That absolutely plays a role. Friends, as you're listening, think through some of the phrases or the things that you've held on to from your childhood that might play a role in some of the fears that you feel now as an adult or you know wherever you are in age. That is very real because I think, and as, as you said, as well-meaning as it is, for me, um, I would say performance was a big, a big element of my childhood of, you know, winning and being smart and being the best or not always the best, but just really putting yourself out there in a big way and giving it, giving it your best. And then when that didn't happen, then what? Right. And so then as an adult, I had to decide how did I want to continue to have a relationship with that narrative? Right. Did I always, yes. did I always want to be the best? Is that my goal or is my goal to be me in all of my entirety? You know, is my goal to try and be good at everything or is my goal to pick my own passions and figure out what those are and then do my, my, my best effort and my most creativity in that and in, in being a Lexus in that particular area of my life. And that has shifted something that can skew more negatively. And just, I tried to reframe it in a way that as, as maybe as helpful as it was for me as a child, it was kind of like a guiding arrow, right? It was like, I, I'm, I'm the best, or I try a lot of things, or I'm good at a lot. And I had to reframe that as an adult because that didn't, I outgrew that, right? And that, that didn't work for me. It worked for me then maybe, but it doesn't work for me now. And so yeah. I think it, that's also something that we can come to terms with as we work through this. Totally, totally. I think it's very much about that reframe and just letting go taking a breath and accepting ourselves instead of being so critical and harsh on ourselves. You know, we are just being ourselves, you know, we're just 
traveling through life and mm. and i think what happens sometimes is that people may try something over and over and over and they keep not getting to where they want to be and so this failure word gets reinforced in the, in their mind and they say well you know if i've done this five times and i still can't do it obviously i'm a failure but actually it's not that it's the fact that they haven't met the right teacher really we just need to you know we we have this belief that we have to do everything by ourselves and achieve it all by ourselves and when we learn to be able to say to somebody you know this is not my strong point I'm just not good at this and I could do with you helping me mentoring me coaching me what you know teaching me then guess what happens we manage to get to where we want to be because this other person has experience of the thing that we, we haven't got and they're able to help us make that shift. So it's very much, you know, my first book out of fear into love, I talk a lot about limiting beliefs and I, I focus on four very common limiting beliefs in that book. And one of them is I have to do everything by myself because it's so common. It's so, so common. We don't even realize we're doing it. We just, you know, we just put our blinkers on and move forward and then we wonder why we keep having the same experience over and over of not being able to achieve what we want to achieve because we haven't we haven't so, you know sought support from somebody who has the skills to help us mm-hmm. it's and really important i think i can feel that even in my own life in the past 2 months you know i hired a business coach to help me get more clarity on deeper life and the direction and the way I really wanted to serve my community and help millennial women. And I would say that the, you know, the previous six months after quitting my job and focusing on deeper life, I wouldn't necessarily call them a failure, but I was learning a lot and things weren't changing or heading in the direction I wanted them to. And Mm -hmm. so by, by hiring that coach and hiring that teacher, like you said, I have noticed a massive shift, not only in my business and the more, the more clarity I'm getting, the more clear I'm getting on how I want to help people, but I'm also noticing a difference in my confidence and my competency and the way that I execute on my creative direction and, and the way that I've changed based on, you know, having someone in my corner who is coaching me through it. And it's incredibly powerful. I'm curious, how does shame play a role in making mistakes or walking through failure? Because shame is a big one for me of, well, I should have known better. I should have done better. I should have prepared more or I shouldn't have even done it at all. Should, no? should, should, should. Yeah. All shoulds in, the world, in, in a row, you said. I know. Yeah. I think maybe the common theme in them, could it possibly be should maybe? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, should and shame. Funny, they both they both start sound the same, don't they? At the beginning, should and wow. shame. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a wasted energy in a way, isn't it? Because I should. Well, it's too late now. I like whenever I catch myself. I don't do it so much these days, but I used to, and I often recommend to my clients that when you catch yourself using the word should, change it to could. So follow it up with could. I should have. No, I could have. Because I could have means, well, that is something, a choice or an option that I could have taken. I didn't that time because I wasn't aware. Didn't didn't have that in my mind at the time. Didn't have that knowledge or that awareness. But next time I 
I can think about that option. Whereas should is you got it wrong, shut down, dead end road, nowhere to go. It's all back to your identity. That's so, so that, good. That, that simple, when you catch yourself, should don't tell yourself off for saying should because you're just doing the same thing again, aren't you? But you just follow that. Up. Oh, I've noticed I've said should. Okay, how can I, what can I add? Okay, I'll say I could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been practicing this over the last couple of months, recognizing that how much, how much shame for me personally was rooted in the word should. And yeah, and, and also looking for affirmation through that too, of, you know, someone else saying something and be like, oh yeah, I should have done what you said, or I should have done this, or there's so many people on the internet doing so many different things and you can look at someone else and you can compare and you can say, well, I should do this and I should do this. And really reframing that to could is really powerful because then I think what it does is it empowers us and the choice comes back with us and say, well, I could do this or I could do this. What do I want? Not what I think someone else thinks I should do or what society thinks I should do or whatever the should is that's really powerful i'm glad we talked through that that's good yeah yeah it's 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 interesting how words can be so powerful and we need to watch that in ourselves very much um we say things to ourselves and each other quite innocently because they're just part of our everyday language and it's a good idea to to get a little bit more aware of that mm-hmm I agree. Our words are powerful. The way that we speak to other people, the way we speak to ourselves and something that I've been working on is just continuing to take responsibility for the role my self-talk plays in the way I feel about myself and also the role I play in the way I speak to other people. Um, I would say that sometimes, not always, but the way that we speak to other people is a reflection of how we speak to ourselves. And um, I, I, yeah, again, I don't think that's maybe universal, but I, I would notice that when I was feeling you know, more negative or my self-talk was pretty harsh towards myself and you know, very little self-compassion, I could see that starting to manifest externally too in the way that I either thought about others or spoke to others. And That was honestly, that's more of a wake up call, right? When I'm externally acting in a way that doesn't align with my values, I can say, oh, whoa, something's going on here. I need to, I need to revisit this. I need to dig in and understand why this is happening. And, you know, I need to do better. I don't, I don't want to speak to someone that way, or I don't want to, you know, jump to anger. I need to take time to process and ask for some space before I come back to this conversation. It's like trying to operate out of our best self. And when we realize I'm very far from that person, I'm very far from that person who's operating out of her values. It's also, I think, a reflection of of what's going on internally and how I'm feeling about Alexis. Yeah. It's like having a mirror, you know, what, what goes on inside is reflected on our external relationships, which then reflect back to how we talk to ourselves. And so the best thing we can do is to recognize when things don't feel good, mm-hmm. step back a bit, observe ourselves and take some responsibility to tweak things a bit, even if it's just 
well I think I'll think about the words I'm using mm -hmm. even if it doesn't feel fully aligned at the time and you're literally just changing words for the sake of it it will still start to reprogram those neural pathways and and help you to to begin to make that change and after a little while you'll feel more aligned with it it'll feel more real I love that speaking of good things let's shift to the fear of success success is you know I would say emulated by society. It's something that everyone wants. And then everyone has different versions of success. So there's success of money, success of family, success of, you know, notoriety. Like there's just so many different levels of success. And I think that if you are scared of success, that's such an individual experience because you might have a different version of success than let's say Marlene or myself. Um, so I'm curious where does, I, okay, so let me back up. Sometimes I think that the fear of failure is more rooted in the past because we have all this historical data of like, well, I failed here and I failed here. So now I'm scared about failing right now. I would say for me personally, and I wonder if this is true, you know, across the board is fear of success more fear of, of the unknown, like more fear of, of the future. And then kind of where is that rooted? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're quite right there. Um, as I say, all of these overlap to a certain degree, but I think, you know, we have to define what success means. I know it means different things for different people, but we also have to define what, what does that word mean? Because quite often, you know, when we think about success, we come, we, you know, we think about everything being all or nothing. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to achieve this thing or I'm going to make this change in my life and then I'm going to have to take responsibility for everything and everybody. And I've got these huge expectations and who, who will I have to become? And, and what, if I, what if I can't maintain this new thing in my life? And we have this, this idea of this unknown entity <laughs> there of this big thing. We don't quite know what it is, but we know it's really big and it's scary and maybe we won't be able to get there. Or, or if we do get there, you know, we won't, we'll, we'll fall off, fall off the, the pillar and we'll crash and burn. And actually, is, is any of that real? I don't know. Not really, is it? <laughs> Not really. I mean, very few people, you know, wake up one morning and they're completely and utterly a million percent different than they were the day before. You know, success, it's like what we need to define the word failure. We also need to define the word success and what that really means for us. Mm. I think that, you know, if we can understand that true success is something that happens over time, Whatever change that is, whatever we want to do, whether we want to, you know, achieve some goal or we want to, you know, have some career or, or um, you know, move to a certain level or standard of something or have better relationships, whatever it is, it tends to happen in steps. We try something. It's a bit like the failure, you know, we try, it's trial and error. We try something oh, that bit works, great, I'll go down that route next bit. Oh, that bit, that bit doesn't work. I won't call it failure, I'll call it the bit that doesn't work. And there's the bit that does work, so I'll call that the success bit. And so we go on like that. 
So I think fear of success is when people have this sort of idea that they have to be somebody that they don't feel they can be or that they have to be responsible or that they have to maintain something that they don't feel that they can. And actually the reality of the situation is that they're, they're not going to have to do that. And I hear it in business sometimes as well. People say, supposing I start my business and I, you know, I make all these sales overnight, what, how will I handle it? And, and, you know, well, business doesn't work like that, does it? It's sort of step by step. It really is. <laughs> it's a process. Yeah. I think that for a long time, this is the fear I resonate with the most is fear of success. This is probably the one that lives in the background of my decisions and the way that I act and the way that I'm productive. I would say that I find some self-sabotage here even when things mm. are going good and I'm scared of what that'll look like on the other side of that goodness or on the other side of that success. I start to back away. I start to break promises with myself. I start to self-sabotage really. Um, and the, the cycle in which I find myself here is very frustrating. It's like I start, things are going, things are going good. Things are really going good. I'm, you know, making impact. I'm making sales. I'm, the business is getting clear. This is honestly in every area of my life since I was like, I would say in my mid twenties, this is the cycle. Things are going good. Things are going too good. Okay. Things are going too good. Now let's figure out how we can sabotage this because if things get too good, then I have more to lose and I have more to be ashamed of when it is, when it's gone. Um, I have more to judge myself with when it doesn't work or, or I didn't level up. And so my ego would be hurt. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to protect myself through these self-sabotaging tactics. And then I'll find myself back at square one where I'm comfortable. Gosh, you're clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We're all so clever. We're all so clever. The way clever. We, we, we set up these, these strategies, don't we? We we're, do. we're so good. But actually hearing you say that, I was just thinking, isn't it interesting that we can be so clever in that direction, but actually... When you said, you know, I fear that I would have shame, that I would, you know, have so much to lose, that I would feel bad about myself and all of that. I wonder if it might be helpful then when we have fear of success to work on doing more of that. I mean, as in um, work on loving ourselves anyway. Mm. work on speaking to ourselves with such love and acceptance, whether we're succeeding or what we call failing or wh wherever we are in life. So that actually that thing you're worried about isn't going to happen, is it? Because you'll love yourself anyway. Yeah. I'm feeling, yeah. I'm feeling a little emotional as you said that, that really, yeah. that really hit. I think that's where it's a, originates is that self-love yeah. this the self-acceptance too you know i accept all of myself where i am right now the highs and the lows you know not just the destination but the process i love me in the process and i think that's something i return to a lot is am i loving myself through this journey or am i or am i having these expectations 
that I can only achieve self-compassion and self-love when I, when I get to this point, you know, when I achieve this thing, when I lose this weight, when I, whatever that is, this like goal, that's, that is probably where this is also rooted too, friend, isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, you, you learnt that there was some great shame in, in what you call failure or, or you achieve something and then you lost it or something, something happened. It could have been some major little thing, minor, sorry, minor little thing at school. You know, maybe you got nine out of 10 one day and you only got eight out of 10 the next day on a spelling test or, you know, something really inconsequential, but you know, depending on what's going on in our lives at certain points in childhood and, you know, all sorts of factors, some things will form a blueprint in our mind. And that's normal. That's, that can't be avoided. That's just part of childhood and part of life. But it's your job to, in your adult life, to nurture that little girl within you. So when you do little things like, I don't know, spill something, you know, that's the time to say, oh, I'm a daft bunny. You know, <laughs> aren't I lovable? <laughs> aren't know? I lovable? Yes. Oh, silly Billy, you know, um, because it gets you into the practice of accepting your flaws, mm. accepting your vulnerabilities and your humanity. So that if you succeed in something and it doesn't, you know, you lose it again. It's just a thing. It's not you. Wow. That's very powerful. That's very mm. powerful. And the way that we think about ourselves, I think we can manifest that and being scared of what other people are going to think of us. Because if we think poorly of ourselves or we are in our heads you know, not giving compassion or empathy to ourselves, we automatically think that other people are going to think the same thing about us. We kind yeah. of kind of externalize that into, well, if I'm feeling this way about me, then they must be feeling this way about me. And it's kind of like the perfect segue into the last fear is fear of other people's reactions or, or fear of other people's opinions and put into our lives, not agreeing with you know, our choices, just scared of other people in general. Yeah. And I, I think that can maybe be how those two things are connected is, you know, I'm, I am scared of my own self and my own thoughts. And so how could I expect anyone else to think any differently of me? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we keep judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves, we're not going to expect other people to to have a different way of thinking because that's what we we've become used to. But, you know, I think I, I, I always say to people, notice the percentage of how much you validate yourself and you expect others to validate you. And quite often when people are struggling, they'll, they'll realize that they kind of validate themselves about 10% and they expect 90% of their validation to come from other people. So other people's opinions, other people's approval. And I say, you want to aim to swap those around, work towards bit by bit. You want to work towards you giving yourself 90% validation and expecting about 10% from other people. And the reason I say that is because of course we want other people to approve of us. Of course we do. 
you know, we can't say, well, I don't care what anybody else thinks of me because, well, that would, wouldn't be realistic. Of course, we want people to say, you're great, you're wonderful. You know, I approve of you. I'm impressed by you. We, we, we've got an ego. It's okay. <laughs> We're allowed to have an ego. But, but what we need to do is to be the master of our own ego, not let it rule us. Mm. And it's fine to want validation from somebody else, but we need to provide most of it for ourselves so that that 10%, if, if, you know, if somebody doesn't approve of what we choices we make or, you know, we, we, we succeed in something and we're, we're fearful that, you know, how will they take that? What will that, how will, what will their reaction be? It's not that big a deal. It's only 10% mm -hmm. of a deal and we can handle that. You know, if we yeah. suddenly start being more assertive and saying, to somebody, you know, um, I'm no, I don't accept that this is my boundary now. Well, if we are very clear on that and we uh, validate that in ourselves, then their opinion holds much less importance to us. And yes. you know, I always say, if you're worried about other people's opinions of things, give them a bit of forewarning. You know, tell people, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'd love for your support in this. Could you support me with this? I'm, mm. I'm going to be more assertive, so I'm going to start saying no. So you'll catch me doing that with you sometimes, smile, you know, or I'm going to, I'm thinking about to doing this, you know, traveling or what, but maybe not traveling at the moment, but hopefully in not too distant future. But, you know, some goals, some dreams, some plan, let people know and ask for their support rather than worrying about how they're going to take it when you suddenly announce it, when you suddenly start behaving differently. Right what that's true i think something i'm experiencing is i'm a writer and i write about my experiences and when someone i care about comes to me and disagrees with something i wrote i didn't ask for that right i didn't open the door to have a discussion it was more of hey i want you to know that the you know what you wrote or how you interpreted this wasn't how I interpreted it. And they're a hundred percent okay to have their opinion. But I do think that when that is a pattern of behavior, it does start to seep in. Yeah. And it, it, it's like, oh, well, maybe I should start caring what other people think about that. And, and I think I write and I create to empower and to relate to other women. And the way I do that is by sharing my own experiences. And my experiences are mine. They're how I interpret them. They're how I internalize that. They're, they're, I have my own set of meaning attached to my experiences or my choices. And when someone comes in uninvited and I know that this is an opportunity for a boundary to be set, but I, I also just want to bring this up because I think that even the, some of the clients I work with, this is something that we are struggling with is I'm trying to make my choices. I'm trying to live a deeper life and be more vulnerable and, and advocate for myself and be more assertive. Okay. And I'm out here doing that and I'm building that confidence and I'm feeling more like I've got that self-esteem. And then this pattern of people coming through, uninvited or unasked and saying, well, blah, 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 you know, whatever the situation is or should, there's some shoulds that are happening, right? 
how do we not let that weigh in to, you know, that fear of, okay, well, am I wrong? You know, I, I'm over here trying to grow and trying to stay focused and trying to really be self-compassionate and live out my vision for my life. And when other, when that doesn't match what other people think, that's, it, there's a lot of tension there, Marlene, like, cause I'm yeah. experiencing it right now. And I didn't even realize that it was fear that was coming up and kind of until we're having this conversation, but that's how it manifests. It's like, oh, well, I'm internalizing your opinion now. And now I'm scared. You know, now I'm scared of the next time I write something or the next time I release a podcast episode on something that you don't align with. Now I'm going to have to hear about it every time, you know? And so I'm just curious, how, how would you manage that in terms of, of anyone struggling with, with friends or their partner or family even coming in and disagreeing with our path, disagreeing with our choices and disagreeing with the way that we're trying to move forward. That's best aligned with us, but maybe isn't aligned with them. I think it's, you know, it comes back to what we were saying at the beginning that if we are evolving beings and if we want to grow as people, we have to accept not we should, but we could, in our best interest, accept the fact that feathers will be ruffled, there will be discomfort. And uh, let me give you an example. You know, my last book um, is all five-star reviews. It's great. I'm very happy about that. Um, except one of the people who gave me, still gave me a five-star review, but this person wrote... Um, this book is, the title isn't wholly apt to what the book is about. And I thought it was going to be more about, I can't remember the exact details. So if this person happens to be listening, please bear with me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm using this as a generalization. But it was something along the lines of the book wasn't about what the book is about. And I read this and I was, feathers ruffled, my goodness, I was what is this person talking about? It's so obvious that the book is all about confidence. The whole book is about confidence and assertiveness. How could this person say, you know, how could the title not? And I had a little, you know, sort of um, upset and stomped about a bit and cursed a bit and, you know, and did my thing and then took a breath and calmed down and thought about it. And I, I just, I'm just sharing this with you because it's an example of, actually you can't do this without getting upset you know because there will be other people who actually are looking at something with a completely different lens and this person just was looking at this with their own through their own lens and that's absolutely fine god bless this person because they still gave me a five-star review so I'm very very pleased um, but it by contrast to all the other reviews which are all rave reviews it was so different to have this person uninvited in a sense came in and said this and i think the thing is we we need to accept that this is going to happen and that we might feel uncomfortable sometimes i mean i could choose not to write books in case somebody came along and said they didn't like the title or they didn't like i could just do that i could but why would i do that i wouldn't grow as a person i wouldn't be helping other people either so we have to acknowledge the fact that yeah we will feel uncomfortable but the thing is to come back to our values if we you know if if 
there's an issue with worrying about other people coming in and disagreeing and knocking our confidence what we need to do is get very very clear on our values what are we doing why are we doing it what are those values and when we're very clear about that we can just remind ourselves of those values as well and just recognize that that's okay you know not everybody thinks the same way on planet earth it'd be very boring if they did right uh, that i really appreciate your input on this it kind of comes back to of course of course discomfort is going to be a part of growth and yeah. when you're growing and someone comments on it or or uninvitedly you know writes a review that you don't agree with or comes in and gives me feedback that i didn't ask for it does kind of open up that door of, am I going to be a people pleaser or am I going to keep promises to myself? And I kind of come back to this quote and I, I can't remember who said it. So it was not me. So I just want to be clear on that. It's if I had the choice to disappoint someone else or myself, I'm going to disappoint someone else yes. and I'm not going to disappoint me. And I'm paraphrasing a bit on the original quote. Um, but I come back to that a lot because I didn't realize how much I do, I do fear disappointing people. And I have to, again, recenter and ground myself to the reality and the truth that I would rather disappoint someone else than disappoint me. Yeah. Because then I'm living a, a shell of a person. If all I'm doing is just living just to please someone yeah. else. And that's really powerful. I yeah. love this conversation. I want to shift towards audience questions, if that's okay with you. Yes. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. absolutely. Great. So I ask my Instagram community, I let, I let y'all know um, what Marlene and I are going to be discussing. And then I put a little question box and uh, my Instagram community submits audience questions related to this topic. So I asked um, about anyone struggling with fear. And here is the first question. How do I overcome my fear of fully committing to my full-time job? I can't tell if I'm just scared in general, or if the fear is telling me that I'm not on the right path. Yeah, it's quite common, isn't it, to have this trying to make a decision about something and you, you, you think you've made up your mind and then you go back to the other idea and then you go back again and you're back and forth, round and round in your head. And the more you do that, the more confusing it feels. I think that there's a clue in this question in the word committing, you know, that's a key word, committing. And, you know, that to commit to something, it signifies that something is change. You know, it's like I was saying with change, we have to, if we're going to have change, full change, we're going to gain and lose something. So the commitment is not about the gain, it's about the loss. It's the fear of what will I lose? If I make this commitment, what am I turning my back? What am I turning away from that I might never have again, which is, probably not the case but it feels like that you know that you might never have something again so it's very much about you know getting to grips with the loss side of it and what I would say to this person is to list down three things that you if you make this commitment three things that you will lose three things that you'll you'll leave behind 
So committing to a job, what does, what does that mean? What, what are you going to, what does it mean you will no longer have in your life? Another job, another location, a person, um, your values, what, what is it? And to write down those three things and then look at those three things and say, how will I manage the loss of those things? Do I want to manage the loss of those things? And if I do, how will, how will I manage the loss of those things? So by doing that, you feel more confident to take that step into the unknown, into the new thing, because you know that whatever it is you're leaving behind, you, you, you got it, you got that, you can deal with that. Or you might in that process say, you know, as I think about it, I really don't want to move away from this particular thing, don't want to lose this thing. So I choose not to make this commitment. The thing to remember is that pretty much every commitment we make in life, it may feel permanent, but it's not. You know, we can put in a, a, a plan B for what we'll do. So with that list of losses, it may be, well, you know, I'm moving from one job to another job, but if it doesn't work out, you know, is there a way I could return to this other job or this other type of work or this is something different I could do? And so by doing that, the, this person can gain a lot more confidence in making that decision because they know where they're at. They're, they're in control of it. That's really powerful. I, I love the idea of listing out what you'll gain and what you'll lose. I know you were kind of coaching me through a situation a couple, I think it was like five months ago already. And, um, you, you asked me that you said, what is, what is staying in this situation costing you? Mm-hmm. And I wrote down what it was costing me and it made me realize that I didn't want to make that commitment. I didn't want to move forward and I wanted to look for an exit plan. I wanted to look for that plan B. And this is a really powerful exercise and it's one that does require some action after it. You know, once you become aware, then moving forward and saying, I'm going to going to commit or I'm going to step back and I'm going to move in a different direction. That's really powerful. Um, question two, I'm a traveling nurse and I'm about to start my new job in Colorado. First off, congratulations. <laughs> I'm fearful of the traffic in Denver and all of the unknowns that come along with starting a new job in a new city. Okay. Well, this is definitely our fear of unknown, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe if the others as well all intermingle the other fears as well. Um, so I love this question. I love that this person is a nurse because I know that those of us who care for others often forget that we can also put as much input into, into not so much caring for ourselves, but into making sure that we're okay in the same way we might make sure that the people we care for are okay. So I wonder what this person, this nurse would say to other people that she was, if somebody said to her, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. I'm sure she'd have lots of ideas of ways that she could inspire and help them, motivate them and um, reassure them, which she might not be thinking about in the direction of herself. Um, What occurred to me was a very practical thing. If you're worried about going to a new city and driving, is it possible to go to a local driving school and say, hey, I'm not used to these roads, can I have a couple of lessons? 
It's a great way to connect with people, get your confidence. This thing I was saying earlier about getting support, going to the people who know. Yes. You know, this, this person might be a fantastic driver, but doesn't know the area and doesn't know the roads. So, right. you know, it's, it's this, I have to do everything by myself and I have to be expert and I have to get there and I have to know my way around and I have to drive all these roads. And no, you just have to turn up and say, hey, local person, you know these roads, can you give me a hand? Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. the same with going to a new place and, and meeting new people. You know, it's about research, find local groups, ease in, you know, and think about your own needs in the way that you think about others' needs as well. Because lovely, lovely nurse, lovely caring people often are so focused on how they can help other people that they forget to stop and think about themselves in that same ways. Yeah. Very, very common. Yeah, that's that's really good. Something else that I was actually working with a client on something similar in terms of moving to a new city. And she said that in a previous city, she was all in. She had a very all or nothing personality, which I can relate to. And she said that she went all in. She joined all these groups. She was, I mean, her social calendar was full because she didn't know anyone. And so she went all in, but it was exhausting to her mm -hmm. and she wasn't making time for herself. And so something else I would suggest is as you ease into that new city and ease into making new friends and this new job, also give yourself the space to uh, take care of yourself as Marlene was saying, but also as you join groups and as you get more social, um, depending on things with COVID in your area, I also would encourage you to continue to make space for yourself too. Um, I know that when we're trying to meet new friends, you know, it's like, I remember being in Nashville all my week, all my weekday nights were full. And so then, you know, I was always busy on the weekends. And so then all my weekday nights were full and I never had a night to just decompress from my day or take a bath or watch a movie. Just no time for Alexis. And I went on like that for too long, I would say for me, and I got burnt out socially. And so give, you know yourself better than I know you. And so give yourself that space, know your limits and know how you easily burn out and kind of ease into things based on your own pace. Yeah, absolutely. Small steps. Small steps. So I have one more question for you um, uh, in terms of audience questions. And I really like this one. Um, because I can relate to it. How can I tell the difference between why I'm making a decision? Is it out of fear? Is it out of my past failures and insecurities? Or is it because I'm passionate about it? Yeah, I think that um, it's very much about knowing ourselves. You know, when we know ourselves well, we can much more easily make decisions. And yes, there may be we can't say yes it's this or yes it's that because we're complex beings there's there's going to be some things that have happened in the past that may sway our decisions you know there may be our intuition may be leading us one way or our head may be leading us another way but i think it comes back to this values and self-knowledge because the more we know ourselves the more steady we feel in our decisions we you know we can navigate our way through and I always say that one of the best things we can do is to 
get really good at knowing how we feel. Because if we know how we feel, we can navigate through any situation. Once we know how we feel, we know what we're going to do with those feelings. Mm -hmm. So if we, if, you know, if somebody, if we feel a certain way, we can decide, am I going to react to this situation? Or am I actually going to step back, think about it, uh, become aware of what I'm feeling and then make a decision about how I'm going to respond to this situation. So it's all right that I'm worried. It's all right that I'm rejected. It's all right that I feel fearful. It's okay that I feel anxious, but how am I going to then actually respond to the situation? Am I going to come from that feeling or am I going to just give myself some reassurance mm. and give myself some calm and find a way to re respond to a situation that's most helpful. Whereas if we don't know, if we're not used to knowing how we feel, what we tend to do is the feelings just bubble up inside us and we react very quickly yeah. to things. We react from that feeling state mm -hmm. and therefore we don't always make the right decisions and we don't always know whether we're making the right decisions about things. We're, it's, you know, it's like we're sort of blowing around in the wind. You know? um, yeah. Knowing it, ourselves well is, is so important. Mm -hmm. It can put us in a mindset that life is happening to us. Yes. You know, that, that blowing in the wind analogy that you said, that, that kind of is what it brought up in me is that, narrative that we can sometimes feel that life is just happening to us and we just have to take it and we don't have any ownership. We don't have any autonomy over our choices. I actually just made a note that hearing you talk about feelings and emotions, I think we should have a future episode just dedicated to that and understanding our feelings and our emotions, because I think that there's so much of what we've discussed up to this point is rooted in understanding our feelings and emotions. So yeah. I made a little note there. Maybe we could have a future episode Excellent. just on that. Excellent. So for this lady, um, oh, I'm saying a lady, uh, could be a, a, a man, but for, for your listener, um, it's very much about practicing, you know, what are your values? Get really clear on your values, do some written exercises on your values, and then get really good at saying, what am I feeling right now? What am I feeling right now? You know, even if it's little things, even as mine, I looked out the window and it was rainy today. What am I feeling right now? I looked out the window and I went out the door and the sun was shining. What am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. Because when we get used to that, our, our subconscious gets so used to uh, um, becoming aware of ourselves as, uh, you know, feelings awareness and having a, a sense of who we are and where we are in the given moment right. that we can make those bigger decisions about how do I feel about this big thing, this big choice or this big decision and this big change in my life. It becomes so much easier because we're just practiced at feeling big feelings, little feelings. We're just practiced at it. Mm -hmm. In fact, my new book I'm writing at the moment is called seven questions, highly confident people ask themselves. And one of those seven questions is how am I feeling right now? I love that. I can't wait to read that. <laughs> so important. That's so I think we should have an episode on that because it's, it's so important. So that's my answer really to, to your listener. Wonderful. This was such a fantastic episode. I feel like I learned so much and I know that this is going to be incredibly valuable to my community as well. I'd love for you to share 
where people can connect with you online, Marlene? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to stepintoyourbold.com and you'll find me there and you'll discover all the ways that I help people. Amazing. Yeah. And also Marlene is incredibly active on Instagram too. I tag her in a lot of, um, you know, content related to our podcast episodes together. And she's always putting out really great thought provoking quotes and questions on her Instagram feed. So I also recommend following her there too, but yeah, step into your bold.com and I'll have that in the show notes. Thank you so much for holding space with me today, Marlene. I'm just so thankful for your wisdom and uh, just everything that you bring to this podcast and just to, to my life personally. So thank you so much. Thank you, Alexis. You too. And I always learn something as well. So it's great to have the connection with you.